When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, Scott Chasen joins us to preview OU Kansas in the National College Football Roundup. We preview some of the best games in Week 8, including Oklahoma State-Iowa State. We wet the beak with Sunday's matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and Baltimore Ravens. And we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, October 21st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy Lehman's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in October from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Monster Mansion of Money promotion. Drawings are every 30 minutes. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now, recording this Wednesday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. And, Teddy, before we get to the football, birthday shout-outs. Yeah. Happy 10th birthday. 10. Now I feel bad for when I – I don't cuss much on here, but dang it, now I feel bad. (laughs) Happy 10th birthday, Rhett Ryan. Yes, you, Rhett. Happy birthday. Just so you know, Rhett, your dad is the man. Don't forget it. Happy <laughs> 57th birthday to Chris Buckner. Happy birthday, Chris. And happy 25th birthday to Brandon Timms. You're the man, Brandon. And that's birthday shout-outs, Dad. Love it. I love it, man. We're filling that section up. We, I, I don't know if we're, there's going to be a limit at some point, but keep them coming. We'll have to cap it at some point. But also, <laughs> I have had a few people reach out this week. If you are interested in advertising for an event or for your business, you can email the Oklahoma Breakdown at gmail.com just because we've had a few people inquire. So that's the email. 
the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com. If you want to sponsor the pod. Okay. Enough of that football. <laughs> you had your show with Lincoln this week, Ted, anything stand out from what you heard from the head coach? Not necessarily. I just think it's awesome how he refuses to say anything good about Caleb Williams. I, I love it. I think he approaches it the exact way you should when everyone in the world is saying all of these glowing things about a player. He's always really quick to talk about who else has played well to give that guy an opportunity to have success. And anytime a guy's playing terrible, He's always real quick to point out about how a lot of other people need to start doing their jobs as well. I love the way he handles it. He's a pro. It, it would be so easy to walk out and go, oh, my God, I know, right? He's just so good. It's, it's like they don't even need me as a coach out there when Caleb's playing. But uh, I love how he handles it. But it does just stick out to me that he, he's reluctant to, to go out there and throw a bunch of praise his way, which for a young guy is keeps you hungry right you're after that praise from a coach yeah he doesn't he doesn't quite take it to the same level as Brett Bielema did this week talking about his O-line where he's like yeah they all stink none of them are helping us he doesn't quite go that far but yes he definitely he does not throw roses at the young quarterback that's for sure yeah no and hey I I think he I think he handles it the the proper way one thing that he said, and you know, we talked about it on the recap last uh, last episode. Lincoln, he, and he does this every once in a while, but he will subtly call out a position group publicly, like in his press conference uh, on y'all's show. He did that with the defensive line this week. Every time I heard him talk publicly, it was defensive line's got to be better. They got to play better. We need more production. They got to be better. I mean, we've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. It's just true, right? Like that that group has to be better. Now, Kansas, I don't know how much we'll learn about them, although I do think Kansas's offensive line, it's the best it's been in a while. They're well coached. They know what they're doing. I've watched them closely. They're not god-awful. Now, I'm not saying they're good. They're not, but they are competent which is not something you've been able to say about their offensive lines the last couple seasons. But this defense line, they, they got to put a dominant performance together, man. They, they got to they gotta set the tone in this game, right? I mean, your head coach is, for, for Lincoln Riley, that's straight up calling them out, yeah. I mean, publicly. So that you, you got to respond when that happens. Well, I think it's interesting, you know, we're seven games in and I, I think it's fair to say that we've gone from at one point in the season saying that the defensive line is probably the strongest position on the team to where'd they go, you know, and, and I've heard, I've heard about, you know, uh, holding and, and scheme and all kinds of different things. But, man, there's, there's no excuse. D-line is the ultimate 
win your one-on-one battles. You have to win your one-on-one battles. And yeah, you're going to get double teamed at time at times, but you've got to win that battle as well. It's the nature of it. People aren't going to stop blocking you the way that they're blocking you. There is no scheme, magic scheme that's going to free you up uh, as a wide open player uh, up the middle. It, you're going to have to beat. If you want to make plays at defensive line, you have to beat a blocker. That's it. That's the nature of the position. So we've got tools there and those guys can win those battles. So they've, they've got to start showing back up because I'll tell you, the guys on the back end need it desperately. Yeah. Remember, let's let's not forget that, you know, I, I think that the secondary is getting a lot of criticism right now. And they deserve it, right? They're giving up big plays. Yes, I know they're banged up, but when you're on the field, you have to play well, right? Yeah. I mean, you're at OU. You're you're there because you can play, and when you get on that damn field, you got to play well. But a secondary's best friend on planet Earth is a great pass rush. And this defensive line, you know, whether it's Perrion Winfrey, I I do think Isaiah Thomas has done a good job getting pressure. I have been underwhelmed by Nick Benito. If you're supposed to be a first-round pick, and we've talked about this in the past, like when when you're talking about an edge guy being a first-round pick, you got to be a dominant player. Not some plays, not some drives. You can't pick your games. You can't, you can't play hard when you're playing Texas and then not play hard other games. Like, if you want to be a first-round edge guy, you got to dominate games. Yep. And he hasn't done that. He just hasn't. Now, it doesn't mean he can't. doesn't mean he isn't capable. Has he shown some really good things? No doubt, right? The guy's a gifted rusher. There's no doubt he's a gifted athlete. But when you talk about dominance, man, I haven't seen that. I don't know about you. No, not consistently. There's, there's moments where he, he dominates, but it's got to be consistent. You know, I, I was lucky in the NFL to play uh, for uh, t- a Tampa scheme defense almost the entire time I was in the, in the league. And the interesting thing about a Tampa defense is it's cover two, but the way you play it underneath, there is always a wide open player. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And you are, you're giving a wide open player to the offense. So as you drop back, the quarterback sets his feet. Wherever he looks first, the underneath coverage is flying across the field. So you'll have usually three underneath spots and two guys that cover it. And it's because the mic runs through the middle. So you have two underneath hook players. If the quarterback looks to one side, they drive to those outside guys. If this player goes to the outside, this player goes to the inside. You're leaving this guy wide open on the back. That's on the defensive line, and that's known. The coaches say 
that is on you guys. That is on the rush. A quarterback can't go one, two, and then throw the third on the backside. So on the, on the defensive line, it's cooked into the head. It's a panic. It's an outright panic to get to the quarterback. It's like you're rushing for your life because you know there's a guy standing out there that's wide open. And the quarterback can't have time to get to him. And that's how you have to approach it whenever you have a secondary that's missing players, right? Whenever you're down, there's guys that are injured. Yeah, they should be in good coverage back there. They should be in, in a good position. But I can't afford to think that way. I have to rush the passer as if there's a guy streaking down the sideline wide open with his hand in the air. It's just how you have to attack it right now. And if you don't get there, I mean, that's why Lincoln is calling out the defensive line because he knows that while we're light in the secondary, they have to absolutely dominate games or we're going to continue to see guys catching balls over the middle, catching balls down the sideline on us. Yeah, it is It is not a coincidence that the head coach is publicly challenging his defensive line. Yeah. It is, it's not a coincidence at all. And from the sound of things, like uh, it's going to be the same guys we saw last week mm-hmm. in the back end, right? They, they don't have other guys coming back. I mean, it's not and like... Frankly, it might be for a while. Yeah. You know, uh, Turner Yale came back for, for one play against Texas. And when you're nursing an injury like that, you you never know. You're always one play away from having to really strain to get somewhere and and popping something again. Right. And you you would like to think that you don't need DeLaren Turner yell against Kansas. Right? That you can get yeah. by without you can give him some more rest. You can give him some more time. And hopefully maybe even try to get him to the bye week, right? Thinking you can get through tech. But, yeah, it's going to be the same guys. Now, are you expecting those guys in the back end to play better? And we'll see what happens with DJ Graham, right? You never really know how it's going to go with concussions. I will say this, OU's training staff, in my experience, has always been very, very cautious with that stuff. Um, and I, I, as they should be, right? They're, they're very, very cautious when it comes to the head injury stuff. But, yeah, so it's it, it's not like any like transfer is arriving like in the back end, like that's, that's not happening. So yeah, the D line, they, they got to help those dudes out, right? It's you're supposed to be the strength of the team. Remember we were talking about them possibly being the best D line in all of college football before the year. And at the start of the year, man, they were, they're looking pretty damn good, but that group, they, they have to take it personally. I don't know how else to say it. Like they have to take it personally because right now people aren't looking at them the same way. And yeah. that needs to that needs to make them angry. And they need to change. They need to change the reputation that they have nationally right now. Because I'll tell you this, man. I talked to a group of guys that watch a lot of O line every single week. Right. And I've received texts that are not are not very kind about the OU defensive line. Now, it's not like they're saying they're god-awful or anything like that, because they're not. But I got hit with a, this this D-line supposed to be on the same level as Georgia? Like, you serious, bro? And I was like, I'd never said that. I would never say that. Which, 
but that's that that's like the expectation, right? I mean, yeah. I know that George defensive line, that's a that's a different world right now, that group they've got, but that's the type of team they're gonna play, right? If this season goes the way they want it to go. So they got it, they gotta get better along the defensive front. I know we probably sound like we're being pretty harsh, but it is Kansas well, week, so we gotta we gotta talk about something. But you're right. That is the type of team they're going to play this year if they continue to win. But I got news for you. When you go to the SEC next year, that's the type of team you're going to play not week in, week out. But, I mean, if if you if they went to the, the SEC right now, our defensive line would be the way they're playing, middle of the pack. They're capable of better than that. And at times, they look way better than that. And honestly, I'll, I'll tell you that between Benito, Winfrey, and Isaiah Thomas, the production has been pretty good. I think they're all like number two, three, and four in the Big 12 in sacks right now, right? Um, so the, the production between those guys has been pretty good, but it's got to be better, man. It's, it's, and this could be a week where you go in and you really make some hay. Yeah. No, and we'll, we'll see. You have to assume they are going to respond to their head coach's challenge. And, hey, I had Grinch on Coach's Corner this week, and he straight up said, hey, TCU was more physical than us. Their O-line was more physical than our D-line. So Lincoln's not the only one calling them out. <laughs> so it's – I mean, they better take that shit personally, man. I mean, that's, that is not fun when your coaches are saying that stuff out loud to the media. It is not that is that is not where you want to be, man. Because imagine what they're saying behind closed doors. I mean, you know, I know, but geez. Well, but honestly, but think about that. We are the number three team in the country, and our our head coach and our defensive coordinator are basically saying one literally, the other alluding strongly towards TCU was more physical than us on the line of scrimmage. That can't be possible. Not from a team unranked and what, 500 at the time or below? That can't be, that can't be possible and that cannot happen. It absolutely cannot happen. At a minimum, you have to be able to walk off the field defensively and say we were the more physical team it all has to start right there if it doesn't start right there then you're not going to be playing good defense yeah no i'm with you i'm with you so very interested to see how the defensive line responds i'll just say is there that. a bigger slap in the face in the game of football than to say that the other team was more physical than you it is i know that's that's about as bad as it gets. Yeah. Especially like D-line, O-line. Hey, that, that that group was more physical than you. That's it's like just I I don't want to say that I'd rather you insult my mother, but it's close. Right. Well, we're saying it, but whenever the coaches are saying it to the players, there's going to be a bit more of an edge on it. Probably some, probably going to be a few delivered. different words. Different in there. words, yeah. The verbiage yeah. will be a little bit different. Okay, some other injury stuff. So, sounds like Tyrese Robinson's progressing pretty well this week. And if he is, if he feels like he's ready to go, he's going to play. Now, 
I think it would be beneficial for them long-term if he didn't have to play in this game. But the one thing I can tell you about Tyrese, he's a tough dude. If he feels like he can give it a go, he'll be out there. He's the leader of that offensive line. So I'm kind of expecting him to be out there. But if he's not, feel pretty good about Swenson and him filling in at right tackle. Uh, There's clearly still a lot of injury concerns on defense. But here's a little injury news on offense. Sounds like Theo Weiss will be back on the practice field as early as the bye week. So it seems like that's kind of the target for him. And uh, I believe the expectation would be for him to be available for the Baylor game there on November 13th. So that's good news. Now, they got a lot of receivers that are playing well, but you can never have too many, Ted. So that's good. It's good news. little positive injury news. Yeah, a lot has changed since he went out. He went out as kind of Spencer Rattler's go-to guy on third down. Now he's going to have to try and work back in and figure out chemistry with a, a true freshman and receiving core that's not, I wouldn't say that's just set in stone, but the guys have kind of found their roles and worked into them. So it's not going to be easy, especially coming off an injury. Yeah, definitely won't be handed to him. Okay, quick scouting report of the Kansas Jayhawks before we talk to our man, Scott Chasen. Uh, First, probably most important to note, playing at Kansas is like playing football in a morgue. And what I mean by that is the place is dead. There is no energy. That fan base does not bring the juice at all. And it's an 11 a.m. kickoff for this one. It is going to be very quiet and very odd. It's just, it's a weird place to play. Some people always ask, like, hey, what's the toughest place to play? I look right at them, I go, Kansas. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know. You just, you got to go to a game there and then you'll know what I'm talking about. And yeah, that's something that, you know, a couple of guys have said over the years. It's like playing football in a morgue. It's hard to ever think back to a time where OU went to Lawrence and just played great. I I was once down 13 to nothing to Kansas and Lawrence. That was fun. They have a really good tendency to drag you down to that level. Um, There's a lot of false enthusiasm going on out there, but you have to like, you have to try and create your energy between the team. There's no crowd to feed off of. So you got to be a little more vocal and, and make it a point to try and keep guys up and motivated and, and make it a point to bring some energy out there. It is definitely a challenging football game. Yeah. Yeah. They are. uh, Yeah. We'll see what the crowd's like. (laughs) We'll see what the crowd's like. Okay. For them offensively, they don't run uh, stuff that Oklahoma hasn't seen from other teams. They major in 11 personnel. They'll get into some 12 personnel. I don't think the tight ends are very good at all. They do use a lot of motion which is something that, you know, challenges the communication. But they've got a few gap schemes, but really their entire offense is based off outside zone. And that's what they do best in the running game, in my opinion. They do some RPO stuff that is hard to defend off of it, even though Jason being their quarterback, not the most accurate guy I've ever seen. Also not the best decision maker I've ever seen, but their offensive line is not awful. They are not awful. They are well coached. They get in people's way. 
right? Uh, I mean, so OU's defensive line going to have to take the physicality to that group. Their left guard got banged up against Tech, so we'll see if that's a spot that the Sooners can attack. And then Jason Bean is mobility, right? It is, it's always difficult to defend a mobile quarterback, and as far as their passing game, they'll take some shots down the field for sure, but a lot of quick game. Ted, not much time to get to Bean. Yeah, well. Not much time to flick the bean. Oh. <laughs> Nicely done. If I say uh, that on the broadcast, will I get in trouble? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I won't do that. Um, it makes sense the way they play. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I would say, and I think you probably would agree, no matter what defense we're talking about, but I think outside zone, when when blocked effectively, is one of the more dangerous plays against our defense, the way we, we run our defensive line. If, if, if they handle the twist games and stunts up front, good and outside zone, you can find yourself in a really dangerous position really quickly on defense with, you know, defensive linemen running themselves out of the play, uh, out of the play, cutting a guy off. And you got guys sifting up to backers and safeties on the next level. And you got a short corner. Yep, it is, in my opinion, it is the hardest running play to defend in all of football because of the amount of variables it creates for a defense. Everything, you you know this as well as I do, especially with the way our defense does it. I mean, all the moving, all the twisting, like all it takes is one guy getting cut off, one guy getting reached, one guy not getting to the gap he's supposed to get on the certain twist because an offensive lineman just has leverage on him. All the gaps are moving with the line. Like it's it's hard to defend, and it's it's what Kansas does best. Now I'm not sitting here saying Devin Neal's about to rip off 40, 50 yard runs. I don't think that's going to happen. But they have to play disciplined defense. They do because yeah. Kansas like this is not this is not the rinky dink offenses that Les Miles ran at Kansas. It's not. This is a sophisticated system. They know what they're doing. They're well coached. Now they don't have a ton of talent, but they they look much more disciplined and competent on film. They do. Yeah. No. They I, also they also do that short little huddle thing. You seen that? It's like that sugar huddle. They're all facing forward. Yeah. It's like everybody is facing the ball, and only the center's up with the ball. And then they all rush up to the line, and they snap. They get set real quick and snap it. So like you you have to process the formation what they're doing quickly and like get lined up like they they do some things that are challenging to a defense and it it eliminates a lot of like one of the things that we do to offensive lines that gives them a ton of problem is the stem before the snap right you stem you line up in a position then you stem over someone gives a move call and a lot of times you get a, a, a false start there and then on the snap then you run a game so there's a lot to process there from an offensive line and stuff like that can, can eliminate that, that little system, that little um, game that you, you play with an offense. So, yeah. I don't think, I, I, I don't think that our defense is going to be able to do as much as that. I expect them to do quite a bit of that little, it's not quite a sugar huddle. I don't really know how to describe it, but it, it's almost like what we did in high school football, but it's, it's effective and it's given teams trouble. It has defensively, man. I, you, you can't keep it much more simple, more, more simple, simpler. 
Simpler is the word. Definitely is. I mean, 4-3, cover four. Ted, like, that's what they do. Now, they leave three linebackers on the field the majority of the time. They'll take their sandbacker off a little bit and put a nickel on, but not all the time. And when offenses go sub, you'll see the nickel some more, but they blitz very little. When they do, it's usually that sandbacker or the nickel coming from the field. Uh, they'll play quite a bit more single high safety looks when you're in 11 personnel, so one back, one tight end. But to your bigger personnel groups, it, I mean, it's it's simple defense. As what, what did Austin Kendall say? It's basic defense. That's yeah. what they do. And honestly, I, I don't expect OU to have any trouble scoring on this defense. Like they, they, they can do what they want. If they decide, hey, let's get in big personnel, let's run it at them, they could do that. If they decide they want to get in sub-personnel, throw it all over the place, they can do that. Like What I'm saying is this defense stinks. They are, they've got one good player, in my opinion, uh, defensive end named Kyron Johnson. He's number 15. Kenny Logan was a safety I really liked coming into the year. He doesn't look like the same guy to me. I don't know what happened to him, but Kansas' defense doesn't do anything well, man. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what's going on here. Um, Jackie Moon in the tropics brought in, what was his name? Whenever he came in, um, Woody Harrelson. You remember Gosh, his name? I don't remember his name in the movie. <sighs> Anyways, he comes. They trade a washer and a dryer for him, and he comes to the tropics. And what they did, remember they ran the play. They didn't even have a ball. And they ran the same exact play until they puked, Monics. right? Yeah, Monix. <laughs> God, I love you, Monix. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good movie. They run the exact same play until they puke and they stay out there. You know, that's what's going on here. Kansas is saying, listen, we showed up right before the season. We're not winning the Big 12 this year. So we are going to run our base defense and we are going to get good at it. We're going to run it all of the time, nonstop. We're going to run it to personnel groupings where we're even outmanned a little bit because we always have to have a defense that we can fall back on in any situation and know that we can run and run it good. Um, cover good, defend the run good. That's what they're doing. They're trying to build the base of that defense. In the meantime, looking like crap, looking totally predictable, Teams are going to sit there and know how to, to pick you apart in the passing game and in the running game, but they're trying to build the base of that defense. So um, I, and I imagine you're going to see more of the same against OU. And if they leave their Sam Backer on the field, he's going to get absolutely roasted in the slot whenever he has to step out there and cover the number two receiver. But um, I actually would probably – coach the defense the exact same way if I had that job in in Kansas look at you Mr. Positive <laughs> look at you so proud of you all right let's get to call your shot and we asked you guys for your boldest prediction for the OU Kansas game uh, this first one comes from Sooner RF on Twitter who says 
Kennedy Brooks breaks Samaje Piride's rushing record against huh. Kansas. I personally, I really hope that does not happen. I do not want Kennedy Brooks to have to play that long in a football game, especially this one. Like, no. If Kennedy Brooks breaks the rushing record in this one, something has gone terribly wrong. Because yeah. I think that means Kansas is scoring points if he's still getting carries in the second half. I don't want to see Kennedy Brooks in the second half of this game at all. Here's the thing, though. You break 275 yarders early, and it's like, Coach, he's got 150 in the first quarter. You know, we could go after – and they like to set those records, man. You know how that goes. But I, I'm with you. I would actually – Love to see a whole bunch of Marcus Major in the second half. I wouldn't mind seeing that either, right? We saw what, one snap. Speed. Yeah. One snap against TCU in the split Just backs. A little swing, yeah. Yeah, he didn't do anything. He was a good decoy. But uh, our, our man Blinken Riley chimes in. Gosh, great OU Twitter account. Says, weatherman Jay has issued a TD warning for Douglas County. First of all, <laughs> shout out to Blinken Riley for knowing the county that Lawrence is in. Would have no idea, but yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a whole lot of, whole lot of Marcus Major, whole lot of Jay Knowles, Todd Hudson. Like I hope we see all those guys toting the rock in the second half, and I hope there's a running clock as well. Oh yeah, uh, I, it, would there be anything better than a running clock second half against Kansas? No, dude, that's what I'm I'm hoping this is like the shortest game of the year because I want to see how quickly we can get home. You know how it's going to go, though. Lapel's going to be like, nope, no running clock. I want these guys to fill every second of this football game. <laughs> he is a football guy. He's definitely team. a football guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get to our interview with Scott Chasen. But first... The only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. And Love's has given us a $25 game day gift card to give away each week. This is all you have to do to be entered to win this week's gift card. Tweet a picture of you stopping at a Love's on your way to the OU game this weekend. And make sure you tag the podcast Twitter account and Love's Twitter account. We'll contact you if you're the winner. It's pretty simple. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also, as you covered, if you forget your phone charger or headphones, they've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com and make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. 
Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, here he is. Here's Scott Chase. It is our pleasure to be joined by the man that covers Jayhawks football closer than any other man on planet Earth. He is Scott Chase, and he hosts The Drive on WIBW in Topeka. Look at you, man, in the radio world now. Let's go. (laughs) Radio, a little television, all the things except writing now, but yes, still covering Kansas football, so there's that. Well, there's no one better to cover it. You know the ins and outs better than anyone else out there. Well, uh, I I appreciate it. It's been a while. You know, I was thinking about as this new staff came in, I was actually sharing a conversation with one of the assistants just about, uh, you know, I've seen Charlie Weiss here. I've seen David Beatty. I've seen Les Miles. It just feels like Kansas has found the uh, most eclectic, strange group of coaches ever. And if you didn't know, by the way, Les Miles was not only at the homecoming game last week, he went on the field and he was hanging out with some players after the game too. So uh, those coaches are not far removed from Lawrence. At least one of them isn't. That, okay, I'll just say it. That's weird. Didn't <laughs> see that coming. <laughs> okay, whatever. Okay, so let's start with Lance Leipold. Uh, I-, I thought it was a great hire. At the time, he is a straight-up football guy. I've had the pleasure of talking to him a couple times now. It's going about as we about as they expected it to go. Scott, is that is that the best way to describe it? Like how how was your one under Leipold? How, how do you think this thing is going? I've put a lot of thought into how you'd grade uh, his first season because if you're being nice, incomplete would be the grade right now. And if you're not being as generous, you'd probably say a little bit below expectations. Now, I think there's a reason for that. I think Kansas lost a lot in the transfer portal. And I think that's not, you know, that's true of a lot of places, but Kansas can't afford to lose, you know, three starters to SEC programs. Kansas can't afford to lose its top two wide receivers. Kansas can't afford to lose, you know, a bunch of guys like that. Um, whereas other teams can, and they can lose their best players and and still feel a good, you know, let alone respectable product. But Yeah, I think the biggest part of Lance Leipold in this year was instilling culture, kind of changing a mentality. And I know every coach who takes over basically any job ever says that. But I think there have been some tangible things you've seen. Um, One that the players spoke about a lot in preseason was showing up on time, which seems like an obvious thing. But uh, Kansas has had some coaches in the past that have been uh, extremely player friendly um, to the point where I think sometimes players got away with some stuff that other coaches like the one Kansas has in place now wouldn't tolerate. And I, I even think back a couple of years to, you know, some of the guys on, on Les Miles' teams that uh, maybe aren't on this, you know, roster anymore, including, you know, Andrew Parchment's a name that sticks out to me. He transferred to Florida state as a receiver who, you know, maybe some of the antics you got then, including kind of calling out the offense in the media on multiple occasions, I'm not sure that gets tolerated as much now. So uh, it's a work in progress. The results have been extremely ugly in Big 12 play, but um, I also think there have been a few signs that things are moving in the right direction. So still probably incomplete, but I did also think it was a good hire uh, when Kansas brought in Lance Leipold. You mentioned um, there are some things that you, you've you seen that look like you know maybe they are some bright spots or things that they can build on. I remember when we talked to you last year, you know, one of the things was all of the freshmen that, that they were playing forced into having to play a bunch of freshmen. Now, has that carried over from last year? Some of that experience? Have you seen some of those guys 
use that as a, as a bonus? I think offensively, yes. I think the biggest issue defensively, you know, I mentioned Kansas lost three defensive starters to SEC programs. That defense is a mess, uh, and it's a mess on so many different levels, in part because of transfers. Kansas lost every starting snap of a cornerback and half its defensive line. That's never going to uh, help, but also other position groups have really struggled. Offensively, though, you've seen some of those guys who got playing experience last year um, really, I guess, perform a lot better. I would point to Bryce Cabledu, who is the right tackle of this team. Uh, Kansas's offensive line started out really shaky. Uh, the first couple weeks, it looked maybe not as bad as last year because you could make the argument that last year's Kansas offensive line was the worst in the history of the Big 12, possibly the worst in the history of Power 5 football, just with uh, the metrics they allowed in the run game, five and 5.2 sacks allowed per game. I don't think a Power 5 team has ever done that. Um, there was a lot of stuff kind of pointing that way. This offensive line has improved a lot uh, in a short amount of time to where, you know, it's not the best line in the country, but it's now competently executing some complex concepts that uh, Lance Leipold really wanted to kind of implement here over time and obviously did successfully implement at Buffalo. So I think that's one place you look. Um, Lawrence Arnold is an example of a playmaker who could barely get on the field or um, did barely get on the field because of injury. Um, his only kind of real look at game film as a freshman, he tipped the ball up and it was picked. Uh, he's had some very impressive touchdown grabs. I think Kansas is showing that it can run the ball a little bit. Uh, quarterback play has been inconsistent. I think you'd expect that, especially as they have not only a new offense, but a new quarterback who wasn't on the roster um, until this summer. So I think there are some signs, I think, of guys getting experience and learning and growing. But at the same time, like I mentioned, you lose a lot of guys and that sets you back. And, and I think you see that most on defense. This Kansas defense, it, it's impossible to know if it's worse than last year's defense just because so many other factors have changed. But I'd argue it probably is just because you have so many missing pieces, so many new pieces, and then you add in a new scheme and all these things. It's a real disaster right now. And I don't think you've seen much growth at all from that unit. Yeah, the defense is it's bad. I mean, there's no doubt. And Scott, the confusing part for me, and I will say, I, I think Kyron Johnson is playing well. Yeah. Like I, I think he, I think he's a good player out there on the edge, uh, wearing 15 for the Jayhawks. But man, I watch Kenny Logan, and he's almost unrecognizable as a player to me. I don't know what happened. To, like he was supposed to be the guy for them, and he just has not been much of a playmaker for them in the back end at all. Yeah, I think there have been a couple things with him. I think one is just making up for the secondary as a whole. You know, Kansas is cornerbacks. At times, it's been a true freshman. At times, it's been a transfer who wasn't playing Power 5 football. At times, it's been a redshirt freshman. And at times, it's been, I think, a true sophomore, Deuce Mayberry. And none of them have worked out. And then you look at the other safety spot, which was Ricky Thomas, and also didn't work out. He's been replaced by a true freshman uh, since. So I think Kenny Logan has done some good things. He has a forced fumble. He has a fumble recovery. He has a pick. But I think so much of what he's doing now is covering for everyone else that he hasn't been able to make that same impact. Now, I think missed tackles have been a big problem with Kenny Logan this year that I didn't think was an issue last year. I, th I think that's something that's really popped up, uh, including one in the last game where it almost looked like he was trying to draw a holding penalty instead of making a touchdown saving tackle, which I mean, if you ask any coach in America, hey, what should you be doing right now? It would be, hey, maybe make the tackle first. I'll uh, worry about the I know exactly the play you're talking about. And it 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 came off like he wasn't <laughs> trying to tackle the guy. That's the way it looked on tape. I was like, what is he doing? 
That's yeah. why I, I wrote it down. I was like, what on earth is going on with Logan? So that I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, well, and, and I think those tackling issues have extended to the whole defense. Now, I will say this. Kansas's linebacker units have been a flat-out disaster, and you don't have the kind of interior defensive line firepower that you've had before with Marcus Harris and Dejon Terry, who are now at uh, Auburn and Tennessee, respectively, to where the linebackers could kind of complement things. And, you know, maybe a guy isn't in the right gap, but a defensive lineman makes a great play and covers for him. Now, again, Kansas's defense was bad last year. It looked worse because the offense, as I mentioned, was historically bad. But this year, the defensive line is what it is. Kyron Johnson has flashed. I definitely agree. And Malcolm Lee has been okay. Caleb Sampson's been okay. They haven't been terrible. Um, but the linebackers, so much is getting put on them now. And that unit for Kansas has arguably been the worst on the team. And so when that's your kind of starting point, and then you look at the, the corners and they're not helping you out, and you look at the other safety, and that's a true freshman. For Kenny Logan, I have to imagine – it almost feels like Tyron Matthew uh, with the Chiefs right now, where you're just looking around like, um, hey, is anyone going to help me? Is anyone else going to do their job? Because like I'm trying. And, and so I think that's part of it. Now, I do think he's having a down season. I think tackling has been an issue, like I mentioned. But I think that's probably why I think it's so much of it is him just covering for everyone else who's making mistakes right now. Well, since we're on the defense, Oklahoma coming to town um, had a pretty – pedestrian start to the season by Oklahoma standards offensively and six quarters ago they made the change at quarterback mm -hmm. Caleb Williams is coming in more athletic um, not so stuck in the pocket kind of like uh, Rattler was what do you think the game plan is going to be what do you think Kansas is going to try and do against Caleb Williams in Oklahoma uh, well, pray for one. Um, <laughs> look, if Caleb Williams is as good as the Caleb Williams that I, you, and everyone has seen these last two games, Kansas is going to give up 60 points, and that 40-point line is going to look hilariously small. Um, I, I think Kansas Kansas has faced some mobile quarterbacks. They've tried some different things that have worked. They haven't necessarily been an all-out blitz team, although at times they've sent linebackers on rush. At times they've kind of disguised things on the back end. But I think, again, the issue right now defensively, Brian Borland has this concept. He's their defensive coordinator that if everyone is just kind of doing the same thing and it could be a simple thing, but if everyone's doing it right and 100 percent correctly, you have a decent chance at stopping whatever offense you're going against pretty much no matter what that play is. The issue for Kansas is that even that hasn't been the case. You've had 10 guys running one play, you know, in man or understanding that it's man. And then one guy's playing zone who should be in man coverage and it throws everything off. And I think a lot of that is youth. A lot of that is scheme familiarity and just growing in that. And also Kansas is trying to find out which players are good enough to be on the field um, because the coaches didn't have a spring to get to know their roster. Their first chance at that was in the fall. So um, while Kansas did have spring practice with the different staff and the players developed, the coaches didn't really get to see and learn, you know, who fits what I want the best. So I, I would expect Kansas to try and probably keep everything in front of them when it comes to Oklahoma, avoid giving up big plays, make Oklahoma keep snapping it over and over and, and kind of hope they trip up or settle for field goals. But um, I, like you guys have been very, or I've been very impressed with Caleb Williams. So uh, more than anything, I'm kind of just looking to see what he does because I think uh, he can make every throw. He runs around like a madman, just cutting through defenders. And um, if he didn't impress you in the Texas game, he certainly did the next week. He's awesome. He, he is awesome. You're right, Scott. Okay. <laughs> so kind of the formula 
to giving OU trouble this year has been to reduce the number of possessions of the mm -hmm. game. Uh, we saw Nebraska do it. We saw West Virginia do it. We saw Kansas State do it. Do you think Kansas's offense is capable of doing that? And I, I agree with you. I, I watched, uh, I watched three games today, and I watched Kansas's O line very com or very closely, and I said, you know what? They're not terrible. And one thing I can tell you, and I can just tell by watching them, they're well coached. They are definitely well coached. So do you think they're capable with what Jason Bean and, and Devin Neal bring in the run game? Do you think they're capable of playing some keep away from Oklahoma in this one? Well, I think they'll try. Um, I think that's been what they've set out to do pretty much every game this year. And at times it's kind of backfired where they've only run like 18 or 19 plays in the first half of the game because they're trying so hard to limit possession, but they're not moving the chains. And so it ends up just taking away from their own chances. But that's what I think Kansas wants to do. Um, you know, you've seen Jason Bean's production. It, it's dropped dramatically in big 12 games. Uh, he had a really explosive game against Duke, 323 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and, you know, basically the only reason why he had a couple of picks in that game and the only reason why that ended up even happening um, was because he was kind of forcing it, you know, trying to make plays, especially late in that game. I think he had a pick, if I'm remembering correctly, on like the very last drive of the game. But that kind of set off this trend where he's struggling with ball security, four picks in his last three games, where, you know, maybe things haven't come as easy for him as they were early in the year. He had a couple um, big rushing touchdowns against Coastal Carolina. So I think Kansas has turned to the run game, which has improved. Um, the one issue for Kansas running the ball, if the linebackers are the Achilles heel of the defense, it's been the tight ends for the offense. And in Lance Leipold's wide zone or outside zone, whatever you want to call it system, uh, the tight ends are so important, whether it's as simple as, hey, block your guy, hold the edge, get out and hit a guy at the second level. And Mason Fairchild, Trevor Cardell, those are the top two tight ends for Kansas. They have not blocked at a big 12 level, at a group of five level. They, they have not blocked well at all this year. And uh, there have been a number of plays where you'd look at it and say, oh, this should be a, a seven, eight, 10, you know, whatever yard gain. And instead it's a loss of two because a guy is just running through and blocked. And so um, the more and more Kansas gets that figured out, I think the better the run game can work. Uh, Devin Neal, four-star freshman for Kansas. He's their highest rated recruit ever by the 24-7 uh, sports rankings. Um, you know, he's shown some promise, but at times too, you know, he hasn't been able to get off because that blocking hasn't been there. So I think the offensive line has put Kansas in a position where they can try and do some clock control things, uh, but they need help from perimeter blocking too. So I think that'll be probably the biggest key as to whether or not they can con uh, control the ball. And then I would expect uh, Jason Bean to get more designed runs this week. He didn't get a ton, uh, only five in the last two games, five apiece in the last two games. Uh, he hasn't rushed for more than 20 yards going back, you know, the last two. So I, I think that's going to be an emphasis is get him on the edge. They don't do a ton of that kind of stuff, but I think they might do more just because it's Oklahoma uh, and they want to try and slow the Sooners down. You know, over the last three weeks, you know, Oklahoma's defense started off playing really good football. Um, had a great game against West Virginia, yeah. Nebraska, and we've had some injuries in the secondary and the defensive line, and the play has, has faded here over the last three games. The last three games, we've begin, been giving up a bunch of deep ball stuff over the top. Kansas State hit us on a couple. Uh, Texas obviously did, and then uh, we saw what, what kind of game Quentin Johnston had with TCU. 
Um, I got to imagine, which, you know, I get frustrated a lot of times in the Big 12 whenever you can see a team's outright weakness and it doesn't get attacked. But right now, the deep ball is Oklahoma's weakness. The secondary is our weakness. How do you think Kansas is going to try and exploit that? Well, I think Kansas has two wide receivers who do very different things that are kind of their deep threats. And I think Lance Leipold probably learned a lesson after the first couple weeks of the year when he saw that maybe the offense wasn't being as explosive as it could be, that in that Duke game that I mentioned, he just said, chuck it downfield and see what happens. Give your guys a chance to make the play and maybe slow that pass rush uh, or make the defense think about what it's doing a little bit. Um, those players are Trevor Wilson, who is one of the fastest players on the team, might be the fastest of the guys who actually play. And then Lawrence Arnold, who is just an athletic freak. Uh, he was a long jumper, a high jumper in high school. Uh, he basically wins a ton of balls over the top of defenders, including a late touchdown against Texas Tech, where um, he's just going to grab the ball over you and you're not going to be able to jump as high as him. So he's going to be able to win it that way. So I think Kansas has used them to open things up when they've had the protection to do so. Now, I think at times Kansas has gotten into situations where things have been predictable because they're getting behind um, when it comes to, you know, first and 10, second and 10 plays where um, maybe now they're more focused on getting a chunk or getting enough to set up a fourth down conversion. And they're not in many favorable situations where you'd say, yeah, the defense is thinking run here, play action fake and just throw a bomb over the top. So I think part of that is Kansas playing well early to allow those chances to develop because I don't see Oklahoma falling for anything if, you know, Oklahoma's up 24 to nothing and it's, you know, middle of the second quarter and Kansas is, you know, basically in a you have to pass situation. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, when Kansas was hitting deep balls against Duke, that game was close. It ended at a 19 point margin, but uh, I think Kansas was leading that game in the second half. And I think uh, in the Kansas Coastal Carolina game was a one score game into the second half, too. So they were at least competitive a couple times. Um, again, the issue is as Big 12 play has come, Kansas has not played a close game. Uh, Kansas offensively with its starting quarterback in has not scored more than seven points in a big 12 game. Uh, the 14 last week came in garbage time with a backup quarterback in like the final two minutes of the game. So um, that'll be the challenge for Kansas. Can they do well enough early to maybe set up some of that deep shot stuff against Oklahoma as the game goes on? The man, Scott. Okay. What, how, how do you see this one going? It, it sounds like you're thinking 60 something to not very many. <laughs> I will tell you what. Last year's Oklahoma game was the hardest to watch game I've ever seen because it's like the first time in my life that I have thought during a game, like it is not safe for Kansas's quarterback to be out there. By the way, he, he got sacked nine times and he got injured on a play where both his uh, left tackle and right tackle got blown by. He turned away from one of the defenders into the other, got sandwiched, had a gruesome injury. Oh, by the way, he's sitting on the bench afterward because he's injured and out of the game and someone blocks someone and crashes right into him and knocks him back into a concrete wall. And I, in that moment, I thought this is one of the worst games I've ever seen from the competitiveness. Um, keep your players healthy perspective. I don't expect that. OK, I, I think Kansas has made enough progress to where even if, even when the score does look ugly, it won't be like hard to watch kind of ugly. So, yes, I, I mean. 56 to 17 seems extremely reasonable to me. And yet I think that will be markedly better uh, than what happened last year, because I think last year is as unwatchable a football game as I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen a team care less <laughs> that they were getting their ass kicked than that Kansas team. 
Scott, you're the man, buddy. Um, go follow Scott for all the Jayhawks coverage you could <laughs> ever want. Look at you, verified check mark on Twitter. Yeah. Now I see yeah. you, buddy, by the way, at Chasen Scott on Twitter. Scott Chasen, always a pleasure, sir. Thanks for having me. Well, I wouldn't say Scott expects a close football game. <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah, whenever he said they haven't scored more than one touchdown with their starters, I think he's telling us what he expects. Yeah, and I think I, I will say he he seemed if you if you really listened, I think he was complimenting the job that Lance Leipold's doing. Like yeah. people are showing up on time. Look at that. That's good. How shocking is that that the the players actually mentioned that man, it's different around here. You got to be to meetings on time. <laughs> Wait, what? That's unbelievable. That is classic, classic Les Miles. I can't believe Les Miles was in Florence like that. What? (laughs) All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, it's getting cold outside. You know what that means. It's hard seltzer season, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool or in the hot tub at the lake and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a Citrus Variety Pack or a Tropical Variety Pack. Find it at your local grocery convenience and liquor stores. Dude, you're crushing it. Ad-lib changes, too? Look at uh, you. I, hey, I've, I've been practicing at night before I go to bed. Just staring at yourself in the mirror. I got this. Yep. I got this. Positive <laughs> self, self-talk. Look at you. Okay, That's National right. College Football Roundup. It's a bad week in college football. I don't know what else to say. It is the worst slate of games of the season. But luckily for us, Oklahoma State is probably playing the best game of the week. Number eight, Oklahoma State goes to Ames, Iowa to take on the Iowa State Cyclones, who are a seven-point favorite at home. So Iowa State coming off their best game of the year, beating Kansas State. They, they really controlled that entire football game. And it was in Manhattan. It was pretty impressive. And Iowa State played exactly the way they want to play in that game. They ran the football with Brees Hall, which set up nice opportunities, comfortable opportunities for Brock Purdy in the passing game. And they played really good defense. That formula sounds awfully familiar. Sounds awfully familiar because that is my Oklahoma State winning formula. Ted, run the rock with Jalen Warren and play great defense. These are two teams that want to play the exact same way, right? I mean, that's that that is I feel like that is what this game is going to come down to when you look at the defenses 
these are the top two defenses in the conference. And that, that's what my eyes tell me. And it's also what a lot of the statistical categories when it comes to defense tell you as well. So I, when I think of how this game is going to go, I feel like both teams could struggle to run it a little bit because both teams are going to be so focused on, hey, we got to slow down the run game. We got to slow down the run game, which means, Ted, this, this game could come down to quarterback play. And oh, man. I don't Spencer Sanders on the road, Brock Purdy in a big game. Like, I don't like my options, man. I don't like them one bit. No, not at all. Um, the funny thing about this game, whenever you were talking about that formula, uh, it, it's scary because that is the formula that gives Oklahoma a lot of trouble. And these two teams are both really, really good at that formula. And it's crazy because if you look at Oklahoma State, you mentioned it, they're the two best defenses in the conference statistically. But like running the ball, like Oklahoma State's middle of the road football team running the ball. They're only running it for like 3.6 or 3.7 a carry as a team. Jalen Warren's a little bit better than that at four and a half, but it just tells you that they're inching it down the field. And that's not what Oklahoma wants to play against. Um, but no, that's, that's why this game's so interesting to me is to see those two teams playing that formula. And I do agree that at some point, something's going to break. Something's going to happen. And I, you look back at that Texas game and Oklahoma State was down. They, um, they were down by a, a pretty good margin. They didn't panic. They didn't all of a sudden abandon what had got them there. They just continued to play good, sound defense, uh, keep the ball on the ground, and they found themselves back in the football game and not just back in it. They end up uh, winning the thing pretty decently. So th that's the one thing that I think is interesting is Oklahoma State, I don't think those coaches are going to panic and, and abandon anything whenever uh, things maybe go bad early. So uh, you got to remember that whenever you're Iowa State. But I I have to go with Iowa State. I think Brock Purdy, obviously, is not someone that you want to trust. But I trust all of the other guys on that team. You know, they've got a good veteran football team that, frankly, I just think has more top players than Oklahoma State does. And if, if, if we're saying that the quarterbacks are a wash, that they'll both make big mistakes at, at inopportune times, then I have to go off of the rest of the roster, and I think Iowa State's got a better roster. I'm trying not to let myself be influenced by the fact that I want Bedlam to be a battle between two undefeated teams. I think... For Oklahoma, honestly, though, I think I'm not saying that you root for Oklahoma State, but I think it's better for the Sooners if Oklahoma State wins. I I agree. I definitely agree. But Brock Purdy, he is coming off one of the most efficient games of his career. Yeah. Last week. He looked good. He looked composed. In a weird way, I think Iowa State's got a lot of confidence right now as a team. And this is this is just something that is is very interesting, though, and it made me hesitate. And I know that past years, like they don't matter 
when it comes to the game that you're playing this year. Like it, it really doesn't. But Iowa State's only two losses in October since 2017 were both to Oklahoma State. And they were both big games that they had to have. Right? I mean. So I don't trust Iowa State in this spot either. But I do feel like Oklahoma State, they've played with fire a little bit this year. Right? They were, it, it did look right before the pick six happened, before Jason Taylor steps in front of Casey Thompson's pass. It looks like they were about to get blown out in Austin. I think their limitations offensively in the passing game finally catch up to them. I think that McDonald and Mike Rose and Eisworth and Aishim Young and all those guys on that Iowa State defense, I, I think they rise to the challenge. I think Iowa State's going to win this football game. I do too. Um, that's the pick I have to make. I don't love it. I think oh, I don't love could, it at all. Yeah. I think it could be a really tight football game, but Iowa State, they've, they've got more weapons offensively, I believe, and, you know, defensively. I know everyone's given Oklahoma State a ton of credit, and they should, but Iowa State is better than them in, in points a game given up, in yards a game given up, and – an offense as limited as Oklahoma State's is, I think. I think Iowa State is. I think they're. I think they're going to hold them to a very, very low number. I do think it's the game of the weekend, though, in yeah. all of college football. So I wouldn't mind. I hope that. Listen, I think Iowa State's going to win, but I hope Oklahoma State wins. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I think I'm pretty much in the same boat. Okay, so I I searched for another game to preview. I searched and searched. Georgia is on a bye. Cincinnati plays Navy. Gross. You know how I feel about the triple option. Bama's got Tennessee and Tuscaloosa, which is kind of interesting, but not sure Hendon Hooker's going to play in that game. And we saw the type of decision-making that Joe Milton makes when he gets on the oh. field. So... Uh, yikes. So I, I picked a game just so we can talk about one of the teams, Ted. Number five, Ohio State, goes to Indiana. Now, this clearly is not a big game like some people may have thought it was going to be before the season. Not going well. All, all the love's not helping there uh, when it comes to Tom Allen's football team. But it does feel like Ohio State's hitting its stride, man. They had a bye last weekend, uh, getting some guys even healthier, got some rest. But their last three games, they have looked solid. And they should, right? It's been Akron, Rutgers, and Maryland. But still, they have looked they've looked like how we're used to seeing Ohio State look. And C.J. Stroud, he's looked more comfortable lately. They still have an absurd wide receiver core with Wilson Alave and Smith Jigba. Travion Henderson is now their number one running back, and he looks the part, man. I mean, he is an explosive dude. But, Ted, more importantly, it it seems like they figured some things out defensively. And once again, they played against bad teams. Now, Maryland, uh, Loxley, and we, with, with Tunga Vailoa at quarterback, like they throw it around quite a bit, and they made him look bad. But everyone saw that video of their defense coordinator, Kerry Coombs, talking about working through adversity, 
right? After he was stripped of play calling duties, it kind of feels like the defense has worked through some of their issues since the change was made and they're starting to play some better ball, man, especially along that defensive line. Uh, Now, uh, some people may view this as a trap game for Ohio State because they've got Penn State next weekend, but they're starting to look like a team that's got a ton of talent, which they do. They're starting to look like a team that can make some noise, man. They look, they look good. I totally agree. Number one offense in the country right now is Ohio State, 562 yards a game. And defensively, I agree that they're looking better. And yes, it's, it's against some lower rung teams, but I think both of those teams are better than they've been in the past. Um, have you, did you ever play on a team where a coach had been fired? Like in the NFL, but not, yeah, but not like, yeah. Rex Ryan got fired when I was in Buffalo. So you, it's a weird feeling whenever that happens, you, you feel directly responsible whenever that happens. And because you know, or at least if you're honest with yourself, that you've had mistakes out there that have led to the situation that you're in. And when a coach is stripped of duties, stripped of play calling duties, it's honestly, it's slapping the face to the players, or at least they should take it that way. Uh, well, not necessarily a slap in the face. That's not right. They should feel, they should feel responsible for that. Yeah. So I, I, I've got an example. Now he didn't get fired per se, but so Bill Beanbow got hired, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my senior year. He was my O line coach my senior year. James Patton was a great coach. I enjoyed being around him every day. He brought energy, he brought positivity, he coached his ass off. And we didn't play well enough for him. That's how I always viewed it. Now, was Beatonbow a better coach? Yes, he was. Right? He he taught us more about defense, all this stuff. But like, I always felt responsible for that. Like, you feel the weight of it as a player. Like right. the we were the reason that Patton had to take another job and had to move his family across the country. It was on us. And I. When, when it happened, I felt like shit because I loved him, still love him. He's a great, he's a great man. And you, you feel that responsibility as a player. Like it's on you. Like, especially me, like I had started for him for three years. And it's like, now he didn't recruit me or anything like that, but you feel, I, I'm not sure, you know, fans. You are a reflection of, of that coach. Correct. And you get, you are tied to your coach. Like the way you play, it's weird. Like the way you play is a reflection of your coach. Right. So yeah, no, you, you feel that man, for sure. And I, I still think about that. Like I still think about now I was extremely lucky to get to play for Bill Beatonbow my senior year. Like I learned a ton, but I always, I, I still think about them like, damn, dude, we, that was, that was on us. So 
whenever that happened, I'm sure that at least guys that care and honestly care about the team and their teammates and, and all of those things took that as a direct challenge that that's not right. I hate that that happened. Not necessarily that it's the wrong call by the coach, but I'm, I, I have to go out and prove that I am better than getting a coach stripped of his play calling duties. So uh, I, I think that probably has a lot to do why, why the defense is playing better. If they've got anything about them at all, that should make them play better. Just pride alone. Yeah. So one thing about this game, I, now I expect Ohio State to roll in Bloomington, but Indiana, they're coming off a close loss against Michigan State, right? I think it was 20 to 15, something like that. Now, Michael Penix Jr. is hurt, so they got uh, Jack Tuttle playing quarterback for him right now. Uh, Stephen Carr is pretty solid back. Uh, our man Ty Freifogel still there, Ted. He's still chugging, <laughs> still making Best plays. Name. But Indiana's losses, when you look at where teams are ranked right now, they lost to number seven Penn State, number nine Michigan State, number 11 Iowa, and number two Cincinnati. Woo! You talk about a schedule now, bro. Like that's a death row. Yeah. Jeez. But so maybe that game is more interesting. I don't think it's going to be. I think Ohio State's got things rolling right now, but still just something to think about when you're like, oh, Indiana's terrible. It's like, well, they've lost some pretty damn good teams. Yeah. No, I, I think I think you do have to factor that in. Uh, but unfortunately for Indiana, they're about to lose to another really good team. Uh, it's just kind of that's just kind of the nature of, of how it's gone. Probably hyped up uh, a little bit too much. I, I still think that they are definitely better than they've been, and they've got a good thing going right now, uh, and hopefully they capitalize on it. But unfortunately, they're running into a buzzsaw on a team that was lost one game, a tight game, and everyone left them for dead, and the coach has been able to use that as – as uh, material to get them amped up to play. Yeah. Ohio State's a little angry, I think, especially on the defensive side of things. That D-line, oh, boy. Yeah. We were – we. I, I think they read every single article about them getting <laughs> pushed around by Oregon, and they, yeah. they probably got it all up in their lockers and everything. Like, they're, they, they look like a group that is currently on a mission, and they got some, they got some size and athleticism along that yeah. D-line. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, and they've got, their roster is unbelievable. It's just a matter of time before they, they put it all together and, and start, you know, getting the pieces rolling. All right, let's get to wet the beak. But first, Teddy, you have a message for us? Uh, yes. Are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? Softrock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, gym floors, and other outdoor surfaces. Softrock's rubber safety surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant, fully customizable, and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark, big OU fans, and they are driven to help you with all of your pool and patio surfacing needs. Visit softrock.com OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C. 
com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Softrock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And don't forget to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join, and as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right, let's what the beak. So Cleveland hosts the Broncos on Thursday night. Or is that game in Denver? That game's in Denver, right? Or is it in Cleveland? Uh, I feel like it's in Denver. Is it Denver? I was about to is say it Cleveland? Cleveland. It doesn't matter. Baker's not playing. So right. it... Uh, People aren't going to care nearly as much, right? Uh, that shoulder must be bad. And the Browns are beat the hell up. But a bit of a nightmare scenario right now in Cleveland. Uh, also, I think it's safe to say we talk about Kyler Murray a lot on here because, well, a lot of people that listen to this podcast love Kyler Murray. Safe to say Kyler and the Arizona Cardinals aren't going to have much trouble with the Houston Texans this weekend. Although, hey, NFL players have a lot of pride, but the Texans stink. I mean, they stink. The Chiefs at Titans, that could be a really good one. I'm excited for that one. But the best game that I think has the most local flavor, Ted, the 4-2 and two Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, you heard that correctly. The Bengals are 4-2. and two. They play at the 5-1 and one Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are currently a six-point favorite. And Baltimore is com- coming off probably, I think it's safe to say, I think it's the best win of the year in the NFL with the way that they beat down the Chargers. But, I mean, that is a team that clearly still wants to run the ball. But the tandem of Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown has become dynamite for Lamar Jackson, Ted. My goodness, those dudes are balling. Mark Andrews is he, – he's just – he's unstoppable right now. And is he better than Travis Kelsey right now? Hard to say. Hard to say. I feel say. like he blocks I mean, a little more than Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah. He's maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting a little carried away. Maybe I am. I probably am, but I'm just saying like, dude, Mark Andrews is legit, legit. Yeah. The the production is fantastic. He's in a system that is, uh, you know, loves going to him. I, I, I think back of Vernon Davis and, and how some of his huge games were like, he was one of the top tight ends. And it was in that same system out there for Greg Roman whenever he was offensive coordinator of the 49ers. So reminds me of that. Um, He's doing well. Quarterback loves throwing to him. He's got his trust. I love it. And obviously Hollywood, big as well, man. It's it's awesome. It's fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, the the Ravens are fun to watch. But, hey, the Bengals, Joe Burrow. He's back off the injuries, looks solid. Now he still takes a lot of hits, but they're doing a better job, not a great job, but a better job protecting him this season. 
But man, their skill guys, they they got one of the most exciting groups of skill guys in the entire league. Yeah. You got Joe Mixon, right? So you get the OU flavor there with Joe at running back. Jamar Chase is an absolute problem. I mean, he is an absolute problem. He's fourth in the league in receiving yards. Yeah. Fourth. He's, he is balling, bro. Yeah. And uh, not necessarily out of, I'm not going to say he's balling out of nowhere, but wasn't picked to be putting up the stats that he is right now. It's crazy. Didn't play football last year. Seems like yeah. he's, seems like he's doing fine, but they also, he's, they he's got well rested. Yeah, fresh legs, fresh legs on Jamar Chase. But they also got Tyler Boyd, who I think is an underrated guy. T. Higgins is looking good. I mean, dude, Joe Mixon, he's fourth in the league in rushing. So Big game last weekend. Yeah, the the Bengals offense, I mean, it's fun to watch. I don't know what else to say about it, but I think this game's going to be fun. It's It's obviously a divisional game, so that makes it more fun. But Baltimore's defense has been really good against the run. I mean, really good. 82 yards a game. I think it's third best in the league. Jamar Chase, he's going to have to have a day, right? Because they're they're going to slow down Mixon a little bit. So I can't wait to watch those receivers go against that secondary from Baltimore. And also, Cincinnati's got a good defense. Fifth-ranked defense in the league when it comes to points per game, giving up. Like, Baltimore, I think, is seventh in points per game, giving up. That team is so... I know this is weird to say it. Like, we know Baltimore is good, but Ted, I think this is a game between two good teams. Yeah, it is. The Bengals are good. Which is crazy. Think about that division. Like, think about that division with the Browns, the Bengals, uh, the Ravens, and, you know, at some point the Steelers are going to get a good young quarterback too, but. That's a lot of good young quarterbacks in one division right now. So it's wild. It's it's a lot of fun. And I think the Bengals are good. I do. I think it's been a heck of a coaching job by uh, Zach Taylor. Been awesome. Norman's own. That's right. But is it is it inaccurate to say that the Bengals look like a better football team than the Browns right now? Because the injuries play a huge factor in this, right? Huge. Now, they do. They're healthier. Yes, which they're is, way healthier. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Which means, it kind of means they're better. Well, in the it's NFL, it definitely though. means you're better. Because uh, at the end of the day, no one cares about who got hurt during the season. It's just, that's the nature of it. You get no excuses for, for guys being injured and banged up. Like, Coach is still going to be taken to task, but Zach Taylor's done a great job, a really, really good job. And who knows, man, watch watch out for Cincinnati right now. Watch out. Should be a good game. All right. I, I feel like we have properly hyped that one up. Uh, I feel like people are, people are going to be excited watching some Bengals, Ravens. Okay, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I got to go with Sooner fans because right now, and you, I don't know if you've ever heard my spiel about how Oklahoma is the center of the sports world at all times. It's the center of the sports world because right now, obviously 
you uh, are coming off of a, a really big win against Texas and then against TCU. And so all of a sudden you've got your second Heisman hopeful in the same year. Okay. And I don't know how you feel, but I think that there is, I think there's an, an honest chance that he can at least be a finalist for the ceremony. Okay. I'm going to say it. I think I'll be disappointed if he's not one. I don't think he's going to win. I don't think people are going to vote for a true freshman that only played half the season. I just think there's there's too much working against him and that. But if he keeps playing the way he's played, like if he puts up the type of performances he's put up, they have to invite him to the ceremony because right. right now he is by far the most talked about player in all of college football. Like every single That's podcast I listen to, like everyone's talking about him. That's what matters. Herb Street already said he's going to be the most talked about player in college football. And, and I agree. And that matters. So I, I can't say, depending on what happens, I mean, all it takes is for Ohio State to lose a game. Okay. They, all they have to do is lose another game and Alabama lose a game. And after that happens, like, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go for the Heisman Trophy? It becomes very, very winnable at that point in time. Very and winnable. I, Matt Corral is a really good player, but I don't even know if he's going to play this weekend against LSU. That's right. And That's right. so he's beat up. And, and they can't lose again. He can't. Take they're going to lose again. I mean, right. come on. He can't, he can't lose again and win the Heisman. It's, well, Matt Corral doesn't play defense. Ole Miss's defense is not good. I mean, they're just I know not, that, they're going to lose. They're going to lose two more games. I bet. You know how it goes, though. It's it becomes very. You have to do something that's re- almost never been done to win the Heisman. Whenever you aren't in the thick of things, right? Right. It's it just it happens, but it's rare. So you got a chance at the Heisman, and you currently have the front runner for NFL MVP. And I don't know if that's ever happened before. It may be someone could say, oh, of course it has. But I was just thinking about it today, and it's like to have two guys, two quarterbacks that are playing at that level at, at that moment is – that's crazy for that to be – have a chance of happening where you've got – one that's the front runner, and things can turn very quickly. I understand that, but the other guys, like two of the most talked about quarterbacks in the country right now. That's that's awesome. Do you think that? And let's be real, they're the three most talked about quarterbacks. When you put in Baker, like people hating on Baker, like they're they're still everyone's still talking about him. Well, they're the four because everyone's hating on Rattler. Well, there you go. So it's coming from both sides, but uh, I'm sure Lincoln Riley's looking at it all going, yes, come to me, quarterbacks. Right. But I I don't know. I just, I thought that that's awesome. Like that amount of publicity for your football team is, God, I don't know how much that's worth, but it's millions upon millions upon millions. Is there any way we could get, that to lead to like some giant athletic defensive lineman somehow. The quarterback we got a five play. star. We got a five star defensive lineman. Yeah, his uh, name's Gabe, isn't it? Uh, is that right? Is it Gabriel? 
Isn't it Brown Brownlow Dindy? Brown, we're we're not big Dindy. recruiting people. We're sorry. I, and they also Gabriel got the Brownlow Dindy. Yeah, Gabe. Look at it. Hey, awesome. That a boy. Way to go. Great go. name on that kid. So, oh, you fans, man, I'm telling you, you're winning right now. Didn't they get some big defensive back also from Tulsa? Is that right? Um, yes. Did that happen? Did he commit? I don't yeah. know. Did he? I think he did. Um, yeah, he did. Andrew Williams. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Once again, we are on top of recruiting. <laughs> yes. Clearly. There you go. Hey, All right. That's right, though. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Um, I, <laughs> I had to go with Case Keenum because when Von Miller comes out and says, I am going to murder whoever the Browns are starting at tackle. You got to be like Baker probably saw that and was like, um, yeah, my shoulder it's, I don't think I can go this week. Yeah. I better, I better take a game real quick. It was pretty funny to see Von Miller say that he's going to kill whoever they put at tackle, which, you know, he may be suspended for saying that this day and age before the game, but, um, I believe him. I, I believe him. He's going to be getting home quite a bit. Case Keenum, he was the quarterback in Denver, remember? So maybe Vaughn won't want to kill him. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe he didn't Vaughn's like a him. pretty nice guy. I don't think Vaughn's yeah. going to kill anyone. He, he was a good dude. But, yeah, that's not where you want to be. Now, the one thing working for Keenum is, and people may not realize this, like he knows that system really 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 well so he's not it's not like he's gonna come in there gun shy like he's gonna be he's gonna be ripping it around the yard like he is viewing this your case keenum like this is your shot right so now maybe he wants to live the backup life the rest of his career it's not a bad life right but right you also if you're gonna live the backup life for you know five seven however many more years like he knows he has to play just well enough, right? right. Like, so yeah. you got you, he's going to want to play well, whether it's because he wants to be a starter again or because he wants that, wants to live that good backup life for a long time. Like, this is his shot, baby. Yeah. Well, it, it, it is, but it's also like the most dreaded thing. You don't ever want to show like your ability whenever you're living the backup life. You, you you never want to have to take any meaningful snaps at all. That's the way to stay in the NFL for a really long time. But uh, if you do roll out there and play well, it definitely solidifies that. But I don't know, man. Um, you better you better get Von Miller blocked off the edge. Going to be going to be interesting to watch that one. Yeah, Thursday night football where like every good player for the Browns is a play. Is That'll Chubb? Is he definitely been ruled out? out? Calf. Ooh. Out, hunt Brutal. out. Sounds like hunt is going to be out four to for a six, while. right? Yeah. So, lineman out. Miles Garrett's playing though, but it doesn't sound like he's gonna he's gonna go sleeveless because he <laughs> he got tested. <laughs> Golly, that's he's funny. become great on Twitter. He was such a goofy dude when we were teammates. Like he was so awkward. Like he's 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 loosened up a lot. He's he's kind of funny. I don't, I mean, the, I don't blame the NFL. I swear he and Clowney look 
bigger every single time I see them. They're growing as defensive ends. It's just amazing. Yeah. That's got to be is that the like the the most athletic appearing tandem of defensive ends we've ever seen in the NFL? It's definitely up there. I don't I don't know how many how many pairs of defensive ends have we seen that were the number 1 overall pick? I don't know. Right? I I mean it it hasn't happened that many times, I can't imagine. They're not like freak wise they're not just like guys to play on the same team like they are on the all-time freak list anyways both of them yeah the only problem for Clowney is he's he's not the guy he used to be right because he's had all the injuries yep but damn he looks good in a jersey and appearances (laughs) no one looks better in a jersey than miles garrett i mean my god right now wow dude is a freak okay I think we've That's we've gushed over. That. Yeah, that, that got weird for a second, <laughs> didn't it? Got a little weird. All right. If you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balconies. That's Balconies with a B. Someone asked us in the YouTube comments. They balconies. were like, what are you saying? What What is this? It's Balconies with a B. B-A-L-C-O-N-E-S. Balconies. You got to grab some of Balconies Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to stag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. That's why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's my favorite. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round in 2012. Balconies won the best in glass competition with their single malt, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love, that wasn't English. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balconies products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. Okay, for my winner of the week, Ted, thought about going with Deshaun Watson. Now I want to make one thing very clear. If the allegations against Deshaun Watson are true, he should never step on an NFL field again, and he should be in prison. Just want to make that perfectly clear. But there are rumors out there that he's getting traded to the Dolphins, right? We saw a bunch of rumors on Wednesday that whether it's going to be a three-team trade or, or not, that... Miami is trying to bring him in as a quarterback. Now, some people say, hey, no, the, the rumors aren't true. Like, this keeps coming up. There's got to be some truth to it. And I can't imagine the Dolphins would do that. They'd be okay with doing that unless they weren't bothered with, weren't bothered with what they have poked around and found out about his legal issues. Now, this is still an incredibly weird situation Just a reminder, one of the best quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in football, just isn't playing football right now because of weird massage parlor stuff. Like, it's it's just a really weird situation. I feel like we don't talk about it enough because it's like, he's just not playing. He's just not playing. But is it kind of a positive sign for him that these rumors are like, or am I reading too much into this? There's nothing going to happen. Well, I don't know. If the rumors are true, then 
yeah, I I think at a minimum, I think that Miami would think that there's a really good chance that this thing ends up settling out of court. Now, I can't remember. At first, it was all just a civil suit. I can't remember if Houston PD ever ended up getting involved. I felt like at some point they started investigating it after quite some time, but I don't know. I don't think any charges have ever been brought by them, but I'm not for sure. But I would guess that Miami feels like it's either going to settle or be dismissed or something. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be going out there and trading assets if they felt like he wasn't ever going to be able to play. Yeah. And then that leads to another conversation about, okay, if the dolphins are going to play him, like, is the NFL going to let him on the field? Like, are they going to suspend it? Like, I just, I don't know. It's just, once again, just a reminder, very, very weird situation going on with the show. It does Martin. make you feel like there, there may be a resolution coming quickly. Right. So that's kind of when this started popped up, I was like, okay, that, that seems positive for him. Once again, if he did the things that he's alleged of doing, he's a monster. I just want to make that clear. Just want to make that clear. But winner of the week, NBA fans, baby, because the NBA season is back. Charles Barkley's back. That's that's the important part. Get some <laughs> Charles, some Kenny, some Shaq, some Ernie. Like I love, I love TNT. It's so good. Inside the NBA, it's it's the best show on TV. But believe it or not, Ted, there are some people that like basketball more than football. I know, I know. Don't look at me like that. It's just some people. They like the NBA is their thing. So some people are really excited. I know it's football season for me and you, right? It's And maybe it's always football season in our brains. That's how we're wired. But some people love the NBA and are pumped for it to start. And I'm one of them. I love the Thunder. They are currently, which this is going to make a lot of Thunder fans uh, happy, they are currently down by 21 points to the Utah Daz in the third quarter, right? I put one in the lost, common, lost column. Mission accomplished for the Thunder in the opener. But we saw Giannis in the Bucks. Roll the nets on ring night. Like they look great. I think Pat and Connaughton, the Lakers went down. Everyone's got to be happy about that, right? Yeah. Well, Lakers fans are already complaining about Russell Westbrook. They played one game. <laughs> Settle in, folks. He had eight points. And I, I love LeBron was like, he's so hard on himself. It's one game. He, he needs to not be so hard on himself. And it's like, oh, Lakers fans, you, you thought he was going to change? Like, no, he's, he is who he is. You're, you're not going to love it. You're not going to love it. Now, there's going to be some games where you're like, this guy is incredible. But, Russell, just a reminder, you should have never Ooh. left. We love you. We miss you. That's right. But they did lose to the Warriors when Steph shot 5 of 21. Yeah. That's, that, that's not you're good. Not you're not going to get that very often. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, that, that, is, that is rare. I would say I, would I don't say think that's he rare. missed that many shots in the second half of the season last year. <laughs> so he was on fire for like four months. Yeah. So you, uh, so the the Lakers fans are like, oh, this isn't going to work. The season's over. I'm like, geez, it's one game, but I, I don't know. It, it happens. Well, the he'll get better on the court, but the. Um, the situation with the media and the fans will continue to devolve throughout the year. Yeah. Oh, and 
<laughs> I, I just cannot wait for that fan base to get the full Westbrook experience. Buckle oh, yeah. up, folks. Get ready. It is it is a ride, but 22 teams started their seasons Wednesday night, so we're recording this during the Thunder game. They're, they're still down 22, so everything's okay, but the best part about the start of the season, Ted, all fans, they have hope. They've mm-hmm. got some hope, and this is you know, they haven't even played a game yet. You can't overreact to anything. This is the best part of the NBA season for a lot of fan bases, including there's, there's Thunder fans, because we're going to stink. A whole lot of playoff teams out there right now, right? Oh, yeah. A whole lot of playoff teams. It's a yeah. fun t- – that's, that's why the opening part of the season is fun for any sport, man. Everyone is in, at least for a small amount of time. Thunder now done 25. Okay, that's fun. I'm, See, they don't need to. They don't need to that, lose by thirty. Like they can, you know, they can make it entertaining. I'm just, I'm just saying. Well, that's the thing. We are, um, we're still in it at this point for the number one pick. Right. That's that's what we're in it for right now. Still in a, the fight. It's a good point. All right, for my loser of the week, thought about going with Ben Simmons, man. I mean, the drama, the drama. He he wouldn't participate in a drill in practice, so. Doc Rivers sent his ass home. They suspended him for a game as a result of that. They've already, you know, he didn't show up for the preseason game, so he's already been fined like $1.4 million, and that's not on top of all the other stuff they fined him for. But whenever one of your teammates says, our job is not to babysit somebody, you're doing something wrong, right? And Joel Embiid, now Joel Embiid is, I, I have, grown to love him and all the stuff he says publicly like I love him he's hilarious but you're like be a professional right I know you don't want to play there but he's not helping himself who is telling him to do this like it's not a good idea I don't know um there may be a lot of people telling him not to do this and he doesn't care and doesn't listen to what they say could be that I I have I've never been a fan of Ben Simmons, not since even whenever he was at LSU. I don't, I've never liked his attitude. It's rubbed me wrong from the first time I saw him play or heard anyone talk about him. Um, I just, I don't like that. I don't like to watch sports for that. And he's not, he's not anywhere near good enough for me to get past that crap to watch him play. Not right. anywhere close. So, Yeah. Total loser, and uh, I got to tell you, he's quickly going to be finding himself in a spot where no one's going to want to trade for him either. You know, so yeah, he's sabot like I, uh, he's sabotaging Philly in this whole thing, but he's also sabotaging himself. So it's it's very very weird. It's very very it's crazy. Throwing money away, but my my loser of the week, the American Athletic Conference. Uh, realignment never sleeps realignment never sleeps but so they lose cincinnati ucf and houston to the big 12 right so the two big draws right arguably the two best group of five football programs they're gone from their conference when it comes to cincinnati and ucf and they lose houston to obviously a big brand in a big city so we knew they were going to add some teams as a result of all that but Ted, I thought they'd go after like, you know, like maybe a Boise State 
or go after some of the Sunbelt schools like App State, maybe Coastal Carolina, Louisiana. They go out there, they get six applications from schools, and this thing, this thing is done, and they're not adding the schools I expected them to add. They are adding FAU, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, Rice, and UAB, mm. which will get the American to 14 teams. Now, I do, uh, I do want to make it clear. It is great for those six schools. Like That's a big deal for those schools, those athletic departments. Like That's a, that's a big-time deal. There's no doubt, but I just don't get it, man. I mean, their whole thing is like their, their whole hashtag is what power six, right? And that's what Michael Resco has been champion championing as the, the commissioner there, the, the American it's like, this is who you add. And I, I, I'm not trying to just disparage those programs, by the way, UTSA has got a good team. They're undefeated. If anyone didn't know, like solid squad, but I, I just don't understand why they did this. And, and maybe the conference US, maybe conference USA should have been my loser because that's where all those teams are coming from. And it sounds like they're going to lose Southern Miss and Marshall to the Sun Belt also. So not a great day for conference USA either. But I just look at it. I mean, UTSA is having a good season. Uh, FAU had some success under, under Kiffin. What am I missing here, man? Cause it, it just seems like adding teams to add teams. Like it doesn't seem like true value to me. Like, what am I missing? I, I, I guess the only thing is they, they don't have the ability to add anyone. Like no one, they don't have anything to offer anyone like revenue. wise, it has to make sense revenue wise for someone and maybe revenue-wise, other teams don't feel like it makes sense to, to join there. And it may also be that if they feel like if they feel like maybe the playoffs is going to expand to 12, like they don't need to join anywhere. Right? Maybe it's better off if they stay. It's not going to be nearly as much of, of a beauty contest. I mean, it's always about money. And if they can't make it make sense money-wise, because, you know, the the American is kind of in the, in the same situation that uh, the Big 12 is in. Their cash cow went to a different conference. So that payout is almost assuredly going to go down. So my guess is the American is losing their cash cows and whatever payoff they get is most assuredly going to go down. And at some point, you don't have a whole heck of a lot monetarily to offer people that, to force them to maybe want to leave their situation. That's the only defense I have because I totally agree. You, like the Big 12 got more bang for their buck losing Oklahoma and Texas and who they added than, than the American did losing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this does nothing for you. Right. And that's like, you look at the six schools, like Charlotte is a big market. Uh, okay. But people don't care about Charlotte football and Charlotte really, or maybe I could be wrong, 
but that would be news to me. I mean, it's a pro town. Not whenever it's a, not a power five. Like, right. I, yeah, that's a good point. I think that, like, for instance, Cincinnati football, like, that's a pro town too. But now that they're moving to a power five conference, I think that changes things. And doesn't necessarily move them up the pecking order, but it at least puts them on the same stage. Yeah. No, I I, I got you. And then you look at like FAU, like how far down the list of Florida schools is FAU? All the way. You North Texas, no offense to our boy Seth Luttrell, man, but I mean, they already have SMU in the American. Why do they need North Texas? And UTSA. I don't know. San Antonio is a big market. I, I The Roadrunner's a sweet mascot. I'll give them that. But, I mean, you look at UAB, like Birmingham is a huge football city. There's no doubt. But it's a city that loves Alabama and Auburn, not UAB. Right. I mean, remember, UAB's program went away a couple years ago. It was gone. Now, it got brought back to life, but I, I just... And Rice, Rice is in Houston. Houston is massive, but this just said no one cares about Rice in Houston. They're either an A&M fan or they're a Texas fan. Like, I just, it, it seems like in the American right now, and I know they're losing the the two teams that probably bring the most legitimacy to their reputation as a football conference, but it to me, it feels like they are hurting their reputation as a football league by adding these teams i don't know maybe that's too harsh no i think you're right but i i just i don't know that they have any leverage to add anyone else that that would be my only thing because i would doubt that this was the schools that whenever they first knew that they were going to be adding teams like and you put your wish list together i know this was not their wish list right yeah it's like and mike oresco was super fired up when Cincinnati and Houston and UCF announced they were leaving. He's like, I'm going, we're going to expand. We're going to do It's like, okay, this is what you came back with. Really? No, man. I don't know. Maybe I'm being mean, but it just, it don't make no sense. I don't get it. No, it's like the old model. It's like, Hey, we're going to go get these big footprint cities. It's like, that's not, I, I thought everyone decided that wasn't the way to expand anymore. Did they, did the American not come to the meeting? Did they miss the meeting? Yeah, I, they must have. But I, do you think any of those other places, why would they leave for the American? Well, it's got to be revenue. Like, it's just got to be money, right? Because the American signed their, you, you mentioned the TV deal. Like, I don't know, maybe this is the American's way because, Right, they lost three significant brands. Right. And ESPN, I, I don't know how the t- television contract is written, but you have to assume something gets adjusted if you lose your three biggest brands from the conference. No doubt. So maybe this is a way to offset that. I, I don't know. It's, it, it's, probably, it's probably more complicated than I'm making it out to be, but damn. Here's I mean, the good just, news. Here's, here's the good news, I think, for Oklahoma, that – the fact that everyone has, has their teams and are set and knows who they're going with and it's all lined up, 
it ain't going to last another year. It's going to happen, boom, instantly. And I think the people that are making it go are the networks. And just like you're talking about, I think ESPN most likely had to say, you got to get schools added. Uh, Whoever will come, get them to come, and here's what we're going to pay you guys. Because I imagine it's worth ESPN's money to scratch their back on this deal to get that big playoff done and get everyone locked in and and the SEC locked in and and breaking in the revenue. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a way for Oresco to protect – the other schools like maybe he was like okay if i do this if i add this many then the other schools won't get picked off or something i, I don't know but yeah. it's just it's weird on that note episode 157 in the books well i have a new podcast that'll drop monday morning we'll be recapping what i would assume would be an ou win over the kansas jayhawks it better be oh my god now, honestly if we're talking about download numbers Woo-hoo. it'd be better it'd be better if it was close It'd be better if it was close. We just just find a way at the end, baby. <laughs> yeah. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend, everyone. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.